The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Happy New Year, Kev. Happy New Year, Neil. Yeah, what you didn't hear just now is it's taken us three or four attempts to say Happy New Year. It's not easy. It's like saying drinks reception. Drinks reception. And you're sober. You are now officially um, the soberest man in the whole of Malmesbury. Not that I'm suggesting Malmesbury are a bunch of... Oh, um, they are. Yeah, they are. They are. At one point, Malmesbury, you know Malmesbury, it's not a very big place. No. At one point, it had 51 pubs. 51 pubs? Yeah. No. Yeah. What, Malmesbury? Yeah. How many is it? Well, it's 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 got a fair few now still, hasn't it? But certainly not 51. Uh, not 51. One, two, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five now. Oh, well, that's a fair few less then. It's only five. <laughs> it's a lot less. 51 pubs in Malmesbury. Yeah, almost every house you go by has got a little plaque outside that says, you know, like this used to be the feathers. So, so, yeah. so on New Year's Eve, the 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 night um, before everything went sober in your life, did, well, did you have a big party or anything? Did you sort of that was it, Gemma? Clear out the cupboard. There'll be nothing no, left. I, I tomorrow. stayed up after everybody went to bed and and basically emptied the house of alcohol. Did you? Well, yeah. not down your gullet. I hope down the drain. No, 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 no. I got rid of it all in the proper fashion. Yeah. Down my down my neck, ready for it to not be there in the morning. <laughs> oh God! Uh, we we had the world's biggest firework display known known to uh, uh, anybody that's amateur that can't actually afford or, or, or is not supposed to have something too explosive. Next door neighbours always do everything in style, and they. Uh, I mean, I I can't remember whether Kev it was me hiding under the dog or the dog hiding under me. It was, I was the. Lab- say, how did Barney get on with oh, fireworks? Absolutely hated it. Um, ran off immediately followed quickly by me and then everybody else sort of enjoyed it although the kids came it was like a scene from the end of Gravity Kev where the (laughs) module broke up that covers the earth with thousands of little bits of former space station the kids came in covered with stuff God only knows it took a day to clear the wreckage from our backyard I haven't seen Gravity so I don't know what you're on about but I I can imagine it yeah like like the apocalypse, the end of the world. It kind was. Of thing. It was like, what are you covered in? Next door neighbours' fireworks, Dad. The Fuji cast. Honestly, I'm not sure it was legal. But anyway, you're so you're stone cold sober. I'm still clearing the yard up of fireworks displays. What else did you uh, promise to do over? Because you all knew your resolutions. They were there's no vaping now, is there? There's no vaping, no drinking. Have you gone back very strictly vegan as well? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm not eating. I'm, I'm not eating anything with eyes. So that that knocks fish off the list again. Oh, so no fish now? Because you did go back on fish, didn't you? I did did go on fish, yeah. So I'm not eating fish anymore. Um, Yeah, other than that, most things are the same. What about cheese? Um, I I haven't had any cheese, I have to say. But that's more because I'm just trying to lose a bit of weight, really. Mm. Trying to get a bit more healthy. I want to try and get my black belt again this year. Yeah, I know you said that. Yeah. Kev is re- it's like a scene from uh, where well, you're being reprogrammed, like a scene from Matrix. You've seen Matrix, <laughs> I take it. I've seen Matrix, right. yeah. Okay, well, welcome. Uh, here we are in, in 2022, the first one of, of the year after our little Christmas and New Year break. We have the second part of Casey Or. If you've been waiting for Case, Casey's interview, the second part is coming up today. Um, 2022, if, that's insane, isn't I it? I know. We've been doing this since 1974, haven't we, or something now? It does seem a long, long, long time, doesn't it? I um, seen something the other day that said, I think it's 1981 is closer to 1939 than it is to 2011. No, 2021. When you start to do the math, that's frightening, isn't it? Awful. Blimey. <laughs> okay. Um, well, questions-wise, uh, <laughs> it's been okay over the Christmas period, but... <laughs> 
But I don't have many, Kev. I'm going to re- be relying upon your Facebook stuff today, really. Well, I put a new group, a new, I put a new thread on today. Twenty Questions for 2022. Nice, yeah. nice new, fresh post. Um, we will still dig into the old one, if I can find it, because I've, I've unpinned it from the top of the page now, so I don't know where it's gone. Oh, it's disappeared um, somewhere. But yeah, yeah, so we do have a new thread, a uh, new clean, fresh thread for yeah. us to dig into. Okay. Well, um, we haven't got a book of the week this week. You did have Christmas Prezi book, books, didn't you? But we haven't got the... Uh but you've not yeah. been able, you've not been able to read them yet, or your or I, it. Yeah, I do. Well, yeah, you're being polite. I I forgot to bring them in. <laughs> I was trying to cover for you there, Kev. <laughs> I did. A, I've got a book myself actually that was sent in. I got a couple of uh, prezies from those that. Uh, and I, oh, I've got one here. Hold on, you've got this one already, but it was, it was mainly because you never ever gave me the book. Uh, that in the end I had to buy the buy the thing, which I was very pleased to do. But I I've actually bought Dennis Skyam's Hey Look at This, and I love it. Yes, that is good. Is that that's the one with the bright pink cover, isn't it? It is. Yeah, all signed. Yeah, yeah to, very good. To Neil, the voice of photography. So yeah, so I've got I've got the book. And we did we do this on the show? We did, didn't we? So we've done yep. we've done this one. So we can't really do this again. But it's absolutely brilliant. Dennis is a very very skilled um, photographer, isn't he? Indeed. Amazing eye. Right, um, questions then. Do you, do you want to go first? Uh, yes. Okay, so from the very new, fresh, sparkly, uh, new Facebook thread, yeah. Sasha Alexander starts with uh, Kev Neil. Do either of you have a must-get shot at a wedding, either because it's something personal to each of you or it's what you deem a must-have shot for the bride and groom? It, it, it all goes back to the hugathon for me. Oh, no, actually, no. Um, must, one must-have shot yeah. that you must get at every wedding. Do yeah, you have any? I suppose the must-have. I, I mean, I would like a must-have one to be that first, that very first glimpse that the uh, the groom or bride has of their bride or groom when they look back down the aisle. That that would be the must-have for me. But you can't always achieve that because, for example, I worked with uh, a vicar that I regularly work with that sort of positions me almost outside the door. So and it's almost halfway down, yeah. halfway down the aisle by the by the font. Is that what you're on about? Yeah. Do you know the one? You worked <laughs> yeah. there recently as well. It's I, very I, same... I seem to. I, I think I've been working there more often than you more <laughs> I recently. Think so, yeah, I'm, I'm the one who's got the residence, but residency. <laughs> but you're there. You're there more than me. <laughs> but you know the one I'm talking about. I mean, he's a very, very, very lovely chap. Yeah. But he does have this sort of, it's almost like he's scared of cameras. These <laughs> positions you as far away as you possibly can. And you think, do you know, why don't you just let me let me go down there and I could tell the story far better than just being th- thrown to the back of the the church. It is tight down the front of that church, though, isn't it? Well, I think for yeah. me, it's the, the kiss, the first kiss. That's yeah. the one... I don't think I've ever not got that. I'm not. Some of them have not been particularly brilliant because of right. circumstances, positions, and you know various other things. But I'd say you know that's the one that I'm preparing myself for the most during the day or during the, the morning, ready for the ceremony. Mm. That's it. Other than that, no. What about that's, the hug, hugs and stuff? Yeah, I mean, of course, but that, that there's, there's not kind of must-haves are that you know right. as documentary photographers there isn't any you know must-haves it's uh, you know i would god blimey i would hate i'm not saying it's wrong or anything but i would hate to be one of those photographers that has a long list of shots given to them by the bride and groom oh, you know man. shoes bracelets all of that kind of stuff some people do it and do it very well and love it and kudos to them but yeah i couldn't go to a wedding with a list of shots i just couldn't I, it just would not work for me i, have you I ever, just couldn't do it have you ever been given um a load of photographs of people 
Well, they've said, please, can you make sure you get these main characters? Uh, n- not photographs, but occasionally I've had lists of names. No, and of course, yeah, okay, I then no, go the, back this, and say... This is almost like an identikit thing where you <laughs> think, right, okay, that, oh, right, I need, yeah, that one's got a grey moustache, that one's got a beard on the back of his head. Uh, all, <laughs> all that, have you never been... It's like Cluedo. I uh, know, it, it is a little bit like that. I, I try to avoid that, so, and I've, I avoid the lists if I can as well. Because then you're just trying to do a tick list. Yeah, no, I don't. I, yeah, no, that just doesn't happen. Um, I don't really get the list of names anymore either. I mean, I, I used to perhaps a while, a long time ago, but I mm. must have shots uh, are all in my my own. They're my own must have shots, not the ones that the bride and groom no. tells me they must have. Although obviously I want to get the ones that they want. Yeah. Uh, Mark Dell, BBF stands for Bat Button Focus. Happy New Year. I listened to the podcast and Kev mentioned the uh, about the back button focusing. Uh, oh, yeah, Mark, because he had a question about this, didn't he? I tried it on the VI own, and to be honest, I can't seem to notice a real difference. It's a very quick focusing camera compared to the older X100s. So I, I can't really work out the difference. Perhaps it's your work, Kev, that suits you better at weddings. I think he's struggling. He's got his silver X100 fee. He's, he's struggling with using back button focus or... or I suppose he's, he's yeah. found that it doesn't work any better for him. Yeah, I mean there is there's a there's a you know there's a physical and mechanical difference in um, if you activate back button focusing on any camera, it yeah. divorces the autofocus from the shutter button. Yeah. So you focus once, and then you can you focus once with the back button, and then you can shoot many times with your with the the shutter button on the top of the camera. So it, that is quicker because it, the camera is not refocusing every time. Uh, that doesn't mean to say, of course, that it's a preferred method for everybody. If you're a single shot kind of person who you know takes your time and, and just shoots one image and you know maybe moves on to another thing then fine. Uh, the other benefit, of course, of back button focusing is um, that you it's it's easier, I think it's easier anyway, to separate out the exposure and the focus points. So you can mark your exposure from somewhere other than the point of focus, yeah. which is critical when you're working in black and white, I think. What's the... Um and the shortcut for, for uh, reformatting your card with an X100V, Kev? Oh, my word. I remember this. I put it on my blog post, and it was one of my biggest hitting blog posts. Yeah. I, I, it was Because the buttons are slightly, obviously different to the, the XT, which was... I don't know if there is a shortcut on the X100V. Well, there must, must be, surely. No, I'm not sure there I is. I have to go through they... the menu, and I'm thinking, I must remember to ask Kev, and I haven't found it... Um, you know what I'm look like for looking through any books. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I remember, I think, on the, the older X100, X cameras, it was... Oh, blimey, I think hold the disc back. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's button, right. Button, something like that. That's right. It wasn't... It didn't format the camera, format the card for you. It would just take you to the menu quicker, you know. So, um, yeah, but you don't need to be worried. You you, you don't need to quickly format your card, though. The the last thing, I actually said that in the blog post I posted, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you need to format cards quickly, then, you know, there's something slightly askew because you definitely don't want to be formatting cards quickly. You need to think, do I need to format this card? (laughs) Well, I'm only thinking if you you use, um, I suppose, no, it's not the same as using your XTs for a wedding where where you want to reformat your cards or format your cards on the on the morning of a wedding you think right i need to do about eight cards you, yeah but you don't you, need to do them not really quick do you not really and also i do i format my cards on the morning of the wedding and you know and i and, and what i do is i go 
I re- replay the images on that card in my it, so I can make sure that it's a wedding that or piece of work that's already been delivered, yeah. um, which it always is because I actually keep my cards. I don't use the cards until those weddings have been re-edited or been edited. So yeah, it's it's not an issue, but just as a as a precaution. Have you ever formatted a card by accident? Mm. I thought, oh no, <gasps> I still no, need I can those. Think of- I mean, I know you can... That's not the end of the world, is it, of course, if you do do that, because they're all still on there. Yeah, if you do ever format a card and you think, oh, crap, I shouldn't have formatted that, yeah. take it out, put it somewhere very safe, yeah. do not use it, take it home, get a uh, recovery piece of software, yeah. and uh, and you should be fine. So it's yeah. not... Yeah, never never fear, but just don't, don't put it back in the camera, whatever you do. And what was that thing that was always said um, about deleting files on the move? Never, ever, ever, never, never, ever. Who was it that said that this um, uh, delete files on your camera as you're going along because it can corrupt the card? It can, indeed. Um, Very, very extremely unlikely for that to happen, but more likely to happen that you delete something that you think, oh, I shouldn't have deleted that. Yeah. Well, like the first kiss. The first kiss, yeah. <laughs> it's gone. The first kiss. That's my never, ever miss image. <laughs> right, Kev, yours. Uh, Wade Brown says, Hi, guys. Brand new to the podcast. Uh, just listening back to a few episodes. Love the two interviews with Polly Russin. Yeah. Um, speaking of street photography, do you have any tips to get started in terms of what to shoot, perhaps in the form of specific scenarios to look for to practice street shooting? Any advice would be much appreciated. Street shooting or street portrait making? Mm, street photography. I would say, yeah, rather than portraits. Yeah. My advice to somebody who's brand new, fresh to street photography, and usually the biggest barrier for them is confidence, is the worry, the fear of going out, wondering what strangers will say to them and stuff. So what I would encourage you to do, Wade, is uh, find a street corner, find a relatively busy street corner, plant yourself there, do not move, stay there for an hour or two hours and just take pictures of things that interest you in the beginning. They didn't have to be art, doesn't have to be something you're going to publish, mm-hmm. just stuff that you find interesting. And after an hour or so, you'll you'll start to feel your feet. You'll start, if it's really cold, you'll probably stop feeling your feet. But you'll uh, you'll figure out what's happening in the environment. You'll you'll start to figure out the direct the flow of the um, the traffic. And by that I mean the the kind of direction people are generally moving. You'll see the light move. You'll understand all kinds of dynamics of one single place. The last thing you want to be doing if you're brand new to street photography, in my opinion, is to just start walking around with your camera because you'll just think, oh, there's not I am not seeing anything. I can't photograph anything. Nothing's happening. We've said it. If you listen back to enough shows, Wade, you'll you'll hear me say it a million times. It's it's not about being a photographer. It's about being an observer. And uh, you you can only be an observer if you stop and you look and you wait mm. and watch. Uh, so yeah, that's my my advice. There, there's a book called Photographer's Playbook. I'm sure it's called Photographer's Playbook. It's not here. It's up in the house at the moment. I've been reading it, uh, which gives you some really good uh, exercises if you're going out onto the street. It's a book full of full of advice, exercises, ideas, um, ways to get started on, on particular projects. Called the, I'm sure it's called The Photographer's Playbook. Well, Brian Lloyd Duckett as well has one. I think it's called 52 Street Projects or something like that. Ah. Uh, similar thing. Yeah. So, and actually there's loads. Brian's book is very good and, and that book sounds very good as well. But you can, yeah, if you're looking for themes and ideas, uh, you know, you don't have to look much further than no than google all, all those books do you still give yourself i like themes for example yeah absolutely Theme. there's no way you can't just walk around uh you just can't do it you, you know this 
this is what I try and get through to my workshop students all the time is we are not just going on a photo walk today. We are, you're here to learn to look. That's the primary thing. Mm. Clicking the camera is the easy part, but seeing stuff first is the most important thing. And you can't do that unless you have something in your mind, whether that is a very simple project, like a color or, a, you know, movement or light and shade, whatever it is, or it could be something far more complex, like interactions or, you know, juxtapositions or whatever. But I, I feel myself personally that, you know, it's very difficult to just get the camera and walk around and and hope to get anything of, of merit. It doesn't mean you wouldn't, but chances are going to be more difficult. Mm. Not everybody can be as skilled as as, uh, as Dennis Skyam at doing that, because that's exactly what he does. Does he just walk around and get oh, those amazing pictures? I'm sure he does. He's like He's got a radar to find these places. <laughs> Um, street portraits wise though if you were going out to make some street portraits Kev do you do have you ever done street portraits where you've had to ask people permission never would you avoid it uh, no I, I think some people who do it do it brilliantly mm. uh, but no I mean if you if you think about Casey who's, who's uh, second part of the interview we've got today it's not yeah. really street portraits but it is strangers complete strangers that, that come up to her in, in kind of shopping malls and stuff yeah. and you know she's made a very good career out of that so yeah uh, no it's for me street portraiture and street photography in terms of storytelling documentary is different is there's two different strands to it in my mind so personally for me i want it to be candid and uh you know that, that doesn't mean that maybe sometime this year if i ever get off my sorry lazy ass uh, i might not dip into that part of it but yeah, yeah. well we so. still got to go to london haven't we to go and do our our street is it still there yeah is it well london or, or- yeah yeah, I think it's still there. It's closed down. That's what I heard. No, I, I think aren't the um, I don't want to tempt fate here. Touch wood as I say this, and a bit of tin as well. But uh, the numbers were apparently going down in London for the thing that shall not be named. Yeah, yeah, did, it's, did, it's all looking. I, I'm optimistic. Put it that way. Although let's, in our, yeah, in let's our, not rock the boat. In our family, um, Granddad's got it, and I, I don't know. How, I don't know how Granddad's got it because he doesn't doesn't do anything. Doesn't go out anywhere really. And it hasn't. That's not fair. Um, for the um, for the past, well, during Christmas period, he's not he's not been out. He came to see us, <laughs> came to see the boys. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where he's been. Can you get it from chickens? Because he just tends to his chickens. I I tell you, this is a story, right? So a friend of mine, his, his uh, mother, uh, similar situation, doesn't go out. And of course, like all of us over Christmas, <laughs> you know, the message from Boris was, don't go out unless you've done one of those little white plastic tests. Yeah. And of course, couldn't get any for love nor money. You just couldn't, you know, we we didn't have any. We just I heard you were just sent. Couldn't I get heard any. you were sent a package. Actually, I know somebody who sent you a package. Uh, yeah, Anna sent us a package. <laughs> yeah. Bless her. Um, Emergency uh, package. It turned up. It turned up <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, all of Christmas, yeah. we were we were relying on friends to, you know, to, to dole out those little things and they all run out. And, yeah. you know, it was like, what do you do? But anyway, back to my friend whose mother caught COVID. About three days later, she got a, a knock on the door and uh, not three days later, but a while later, a knock on the door. And it was from somebody else who said, uh, oh, um, I don't know if you know, but the postman down the street has uh, got COVID. And literally what they think probably happened is as the postman was delivering one of those little boxes of love from the government, he handed was, COVID over with a COVID oh, test. No. 
here you go. She's fine, by the way. She's absolutely fine. Nothing more than a runny nose. Because the postman and the delivery um, people around here, they don't wear masks when they knock on the door. It's their hands, isn't it? That's it. And it it may not have been him. might have been in the the sorting factory or whatever. You know, you just don't know because they come in those little plastic, uh, those cardboard boxes, don't Mm. they? They're not wrapped up or anything. Mm. But I thought that that was the irony of that. But yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get any. And I'd ordered... Because uh, you know we've got a pa- we've got a family of four, and f- yeah. for some bizarre reason they come in packs of seven. And I appreciate that there's seven days in a week, and they want you to test every day. Yeah. But you know if you've got four people in your family, that's uh, seven forty. It's twenty eight you need right to do right. one a day. And of course that's greedy and overkill. But seven seems like a really weird number, bearing in mind that seventy five percent of the popul- uh, the households in the UK are a family of four. Yes. So why not have a pack of four or a pack of eight? It's like somebody, when they planned this, went, how can we make this as difficult and awkward for people as absolutely possible? And let's make it even better. Put it in these uh, these these boxes, these cardboard boxes that probably won't get recycled, but are really good at holding on to viruses. Let's do that. And uh, yeah, we'll just send them seven. See, and then around Christmas time, we'll tell everybody that they can't even go to the loo without testing themselves. But then not give them any. It'll be really funny. I'm not sure it's been proved, Kev, that you can get it easily off a box. By the way, those slimy, those little slippery no. cardboard boxes. <laughs> no, Kev, no. I yeah, if it's on the guy's hand, it's going to be on there, isn't it? Yeah, but he's got to sneeze on his on on his hand, put it all over the box. Then you've got to really man handle that. Mm, well, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> that's it. And it's the same bloke who decided to put it in those boxes and decided on seven was the magic number. Uh, right. Okay. Well, if all else fails, Kev, you can just go down the. Uh, uh, go, go down the chemist and say, I can't find any of those testing kits. Can you give me a pregnancy one instead? I'll try that one. I'll see, <laughs> yeah. I'll see yeah, if that oh, The chemist didn't have any. <laughs> With the, the chemist here, they had a big sign outside saying, don't even think. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh. I said, don't even think about it. <laughs> but I, th- I think I think they're in. I think they're in more plentiful supply now, Kev. So I think they're. Yeah, I think. You know, in fairness, they, it was Christmas, wasn't it? And so yeah. obviously the post. Uh, the you say it like they were on holiday, and you say it like they people are having them for for presents. It's it's Christmas and all. Here I'd have loved some for Christmas. Here you go, d- darling. This is for you. It's a it's it's a a, a four a four pack. No, can't get a four pack. Seven pack. <laughs> no, I meant four of them. Four oh, times. Right. Four times seven. I tell you what did cause some trouble before Christmas when we talked about um, left and right eye, eye shooting. You mentioned Anna. She was first in there. Uh, a New Year comment instead of a question for the show. I am a left eye shooter. And I can confirm for this reason alone, left eye shooting is entirely normal. I've never <laughs> kicked a football in my life, which is also normal. I wear my watch on my right hand, again, normal. I change chords on the guitar with my left hand, normal. Politics is on the left, right and normal, <laughs> so to speak. Oh, men to the left because women are always right, correct and normal. <laughs> Hope this helps to clear things up for you both. <laughs> so there we go. And it wasn't, yeah. o- it wasn't only Anna, it was Bill Hartley as well. Just listen to the last podcast of the year. Looking forward to 2022. I'm still not sure how you guys manage to keep the quality going, but you do, and hopefully you will. Thanks, Bill. The, uh, to the issue of cameras for left eyes, you say SLRs are a catch-all. Consider that, according to Google search, 90% of the, of the people in the world are right-handed, and so the shutter button will be on the right-hand side. Yeah. I suspect that because of this, and maybe to prevent photographers poking themselves in the eye, the rangefinder was made with the eyepiece away from the shutter button. So to build a left eye camera for the shutter button, 
the, the shutter button would need to be moved as well. And I suspect the production changes couldn't be justified. He's right, isn't he? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not sure that was the reason why they put it there, to be totally honest with you. Oh, really? I think it's, it's more to do with the mechanics of the camera and the and the lens because of the size they try and you know it's going to be in that little corner bit but yes i mean it may be it may have been a factor but so it's nothing yeah, he's dead right he's nothing to do right. with the, the weirdos amongst us of of having the wrong eye it wouldn't be it could you imagine a camera with the viewfinder on the right hand side under the shutter button yeah that would be it, it would just be unbalanced wouldn't it it just wouldn't yeah. it just wouldn't yeah, it would feel very peculiar. No, it wouldn't work. Not and even, even if you were left-eyed. Yeah, your hand would be in the way of your right eye. Aye? Yeah, if you imagine, if you had a camera with a viewfinder on the right-hand side, yeah, and you keep your right eye open to shoot, as as you probably would if you're using a rangefinder, yeah. all you'll see is your hand because it's above the shutter button. Um, Don't we draw you a picture? Yeah, <laughs> and just send it down the line. A bit like the way Grandad obviously caught COVID. It just came down the line, obviously. While he was yep. watching cricket. I, I reckon it come from the postman. He actually is, um, I know we shouldn't make light of this at all, and we're not, but in the uh, the British tradition of uh, of dark sense of humour, um, he, he mentioned that he was okay because he's, he's going to be left alone now to watch cricket and he can't be he can't be talked into going into town to do jobs or anything. Good God. I bet you wish he hadn't sat down to watch that. What, cricket? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, cricket's cricket. Doesn't matter who's winning teams. <laughs> Um, right, we, I think we've got one, one more question. We've got chance to do one more question from Facebook. Dan O'Reilly. Hi, guys. This is going to be an amateur question. There's no such thing, Dan. Uh, but could you explain what the exposure compensation dial does? I never use it, um, but does it change the exposure in, in post uh, uh, primitively, prematurely, primitively? Preemptively? Is that a real word? No. Preemptively? Or does it change settings? I think if I understood it, then I would be able to start using it effectively. Is Kev drunk? <laughs> Definitely says preemptively. Preemptively, do you mean? Preemptively. Yeah, Pre- yeah there's a missing P. Preemptively. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, say drinks reception, Kev. Go on. Drinks reception. <laughs> oh, you can do it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's predictive thing. text, isn't it? Predictive text is a right hand. Productive texting. It kind of, it comes kind of goes back a little bit to the question from Mark um, about back button focusing and what I said about yeah. exposure. Uh, yes, if you use an exposure compensation, you're effectively brightening or darkening the whole yes. frame, yes. the whole scene. Yes. Um, whereas if you use exposure itself, then or metering, I should say, in the camera, you can base your exposure off a specific point in the frame. Uh, it does the same thing. It's still yeah. changing the three exposure values. Yeah. But you, uh, you, you're pinpointing where you want that exposure based, rather than just brightening or darkening the whole. If frame. you're using spot, spot, you're probably not likely to use um, exposure compensation in quite the same way. Of course, I mean, I, I use yeah. evaluative. So for me, that's looking at the, the the overall, the whole picture. So I find myself having to uh, ride that exposure compensation quite a lot, quite yeah. often. Yeah, exactly. So if you imagine um, some of those, those those kind of street photos that are have been particularly popular over the last few years, um, I love them, the, Shadow, yeah. the, you know, the shots of people walking yeah. from shadow into highlight. Yes. Uh, so they will have, they, they meter for the highlight and they will either dial that exposure in manually yep. or they'll use spot metering to lock that in probably rather than use exposure compensation because exposure compensation based on an overall exposure yeah. is just going to either brighten or darken the whole thing rather than pinpoint an actual exposure reading this is we've made this way more complicated than it oh, should no, be. i think you've done well kev you've said it's a, I'm a, I, I yeah i always think you say it just right drinks reception <laughs> 
Okay, I, right. So I did the wedding before Christmas, yeah. and um, one of the guests came up to me. It said drinks reception. He just came up to me. He said, "Look, I don't care. Just say it." And I, was, I said, "What?" He said, "Just say drinks reception." <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I said, oh, do you listen to the podcast? He said, yeah, I love it. Just say drinks reception. <laughs> and all his mates would give a chuckle behind him. <laughs> oh, no, not all the, all the mates join in as well. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was fun, it was fun. <laughs> so, second part of Casey Orr. Tell us a bit about Casey Orr then, before we press the play button. Well, of course, we had the first part, uh, what feels like about 11 years ago now, but it was yeah, it just before Christmas. So, Casey, yeah, Casey, wonderful American photographer who now lives in uh, Leeds, I think, certainly in Yorkshire, who has this project called The Saturday Girl, which is, yeah, it's just brilliant. She's, she's, it was a lovely interview, uh, and I've, I've really, really enjoyed looking at her Instagram feed, actually, subsequently. So then, part two, Casey Orr. I was just reading on your um, website earlier, and uh, one thing that really intrigued me was uh, it said that you were, the, uh, I think, the first photography artist to, to have uh, space in a prison um, in Leeds, HM Prison Leeds. Yeah, so when I was, when I was um, exploring this idea of interconnectedness, I was doing projects where I was, well, I was wondering about that, and I was trying to figure out what I thought about it, and just working it through um, through thinking about photographic series. So I had this idea. Um, I did one thing where I I realized that the waters of the canal, where in Leeds, where I was living, could connect, kind of could flow and connect through the through the water channels and through the North Atlantic Ocean and to my birthplace in Philadelphia um, by. Um, <laughs> So I did this, I did this journey. This was a thing I did where I rode my bike from Leeds to Liverpool on the canal and I got on a container ship and I went across the North Atlantic and I, um, I recorded this journey. And then when I came back to Leeds, I thought, great, okay, there's the water channel. Everything's connected. The history of the industrial revolution. It was all this stuff going on in my mind. And then I was living in, in the area I lived in and there was the prison there. And I thought, oh, well, how's that connected? What, what's that? Because there's a giant wall around a community of people. Um, and so I started exploring that and researching it and speaking to people. And as you know, like you, you get an idea and then you never ask until you know somebody might say yes. Yeah. And I kind of thought, well, what I realized is that the flow and the connection was through the, the families and through the children who were going in and out of the prison. Uh, and I started to think about this idea of um, of showing, of kind of exploring ideas of shared experience of of movement. And I wanted to show them on the walls of the prison. And I ended up doing this exhibition where it was on the outside walls of the prison and the inside walls of the prison at the same time. So that there was a sense that, okay, the, the flow is going through the walls, through through ideas and through art and that you can, it, it had to do, there was a series that was um, portraits of families, prison families. Um, there was a series of birds that were in cages in the local area. And then a third series that was migrant women who had come from other other cultures and other places and put down roots there. So it was this idea of the semantics of cages and birds and freedom and flight and migration and a shared experience of all these things kind of all mixed up through the walls. So they did let me do it. And I, I mean, last I heard a few years ago, the pictures were still up on the inside 
on the inside walls. They're not there anymore on the outside. Did you ever hear back from any of the uh, the prisoners? Any feedback from how how did it affect them? Did, was it? I would imagine it was quite a positive. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was very complicated that this, you know, of access and who can be photographed and who, you know, images being allowed. There was a lot that I had to kind of, a lot of kind of um, issues around, you know, what were people in there for and could, could their image be on the outside walls and depending on, on victims. And then there were children involved and it was quite, you know, I don't know how I feel about their I feel kind of ambiguous about them. The family ones, definitely. I don't, you know, they're, they are on my website, but I'm not sure if that's something that I would share widely again. You know what I mean? Like pictures change, don't they? They change and their context changes just because culture changes. So, um, you know, even with the Saturday girl ones, um, it changes. So I got contacted by somebody who was in the series, who was to me a really important portrait and they said I don't identify as a woman and and I need that I want that picture gone right so this so this was before the book was published and I took the picture out I was pleading with them like I just felt like that was such an important um story and I felt very that's when I actually thought okay I'm done photographing girls my new work is about, it's called Saturday Girl About Town, but the new work is about anybody. It, it is powerful. The sands can shift all the time. And uh, I think that's quite an intriguing story, though, isn't it? In in the fact that, um, you know, this person has, has changed the way that they identify. And so you, you, it then this is now a problem for you, you, you know, a big problem for you. Um, and yeah, the, but, but that's the world we live in now, isn't it, I guess? And so... Yeah. You know these, like I say, the the sand shift, and uh, and we have to adapt with it. So the 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 new project that started, or it's about to start. Yeah, the new project has started. So um, as I was finishing the the old one, and I was talking with Blue Coat Press, and we were putting this book together, and then COVID happened. Um, and as it happens, um, my book came out in October, and I'm I, I'm really happy about the timing. It feels like it places it firmly in this before time Mm. that this, this is something it's like a capsule now of something that happened because everything has changed now. So I started working with, um, with open eye gallery in Liverpool, um, speaking to Sarah Fisher, the director there and the curator, James Lawler started talking to them. We were, we were originally talking about exhibiting this work and then the conversations kind of moved towards what what has happened to all these young people who then ended up having these um, years of 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 that were so important about kind of being out being out and being visible and meeting people and all that stuff in their you know stuck in their bedrooms at home yeah. um, or when they're out they're wearing masks so it's like how what's happened to them during that time and how are they going to what are they going to do when they come back onto the street what are they going to want to look like and the other part of the new work is what are the streets now? What are they for? What are the town centers for when now that, you know, all the big retail is gone, this collapse that was maybe the shift to online shopping that's kind of decimated um, the high streets. Um, okay. What are they for then? And so that together with what are these individuals going to have done in these you know what are they going to do when they come back onto the street and so in the new series i i use the word folks a lot like i you know 
it's called Saturday girl about town, but it's, it's very much not about, um, identifying as a female. I just kind of talk about the fashionable folks Yeah, and it seems to be working so far. Um, but I've been, I've started in towns as well to kind of stay out of the city, stay out of the cultural places. And I've got like the color. I'm, I very much want these vibrant colors, but the new series is all about, it's all material and it's all different kind of textures. And um, you can see around the backdrop. So you can see bits of the street or the, sometimes we'll be in an empty shop. And now the empty shop comes into the story because it is about these places becoming empty and that being a part of, you know, what is going on on the street and on it is just great. So the, the other thing about like the, like um, during COVID is I just thought I don't want to drop into places anymore and just kind of go in and do my thing and leave. Like I want to plug into something that's happening there and I want this to be more collaborative and I want it to be in conversation. So in each place I'm working with a local college, a local art college, and the young people there are, they're kind of given a brief by me that, uh, that aligns with the themes around Saturday Girl about town. And so there we, all, we start this conversation and they do work around it and they assist me. And that's how I, that's how I want it to be now. So there's also the, um, the local council. So there's people who are working locally to kind of think about how these spaces are going to be used and what the high street means to these places. And so I want my project to be plugged into these things and to be um, a conversation, a connected conversation. So I think the interconnectedness idea has gone into, you know, the practice and how I, how I want to work now and not just be this kind of lone uh, vision of me. What do, you know, what do I think? So it, it wants to be in connection. And, and I want to also, I want to do this thing. And then I want to, uh, I want to leave, you know, I want to leave something and, um, take something away and not just kind of author not just have like an authorship of imagery well I think that's that's great that you're you're involved in the art colleges and it, you know it must be excited for the exciting for the people who uh who turn up to assist you and I, I was uh I was enjoying going through your blog actually a few days ago and seeing some of the behind the scenes uh clips and and everything and it, it's fascinating to watch because often we consume photography in its final output but actually seeing some of the behind the scenes and seeing that the the other characters that are involved in the day, I think that adds to it. You know, I think it's, it, it's great. And it's good that you share that. And, uh, you know, I think those people coming from the colleges that are going to be helping you, that's going to be invaluable for them. Yeah. I think I wonder if that's something too, about kind of, you know, seeing what you do, wanting to show that behind the scenes stuff. So kind of realizing that that's part of my performance and that that's that that is interesting and that's all part of it but also it's really useful isn't it like if you're I mean remember I always wanted to see like what what's how does that done and what's what's yeah. going on there and how does that person do that work and yeah absolutely I mean that's that's YouTube isn't it YouTube is all about finding yes. out how people do things but this is I think this is there's more um uh, th th this is certainly more personal anyway, the fact that it's on your blog and it's little clips and, and, you know, you see the, the mm. whole story evolving. I think that, that, that's, that's, um, wonderful. So, um, on that point, the, the technicalities of things, uh, it, it would be remiss of me not to ask what, 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 what do you shoot with? How do you shoot? Uh, what's your kind of gear setup, if you like right now? Um, so I've got, um, I've got these, um, battery operated lights. I've got two strobes that I use 
and a, a kind of basic setup. I've got a softbox and I've got a, a, a brawly that I shoot through. I had this battery cause I, um, kit because I thought, oh, great, we're going to drag it onto the street. But as it happens, I love the natural light. I, I wanted to get away from the studio light, but I, you know, you do, I just need it in these spaces. So I've got this, you know, evenly lit system, hopefully. And sometimes I just kind of use natural light when I can. But I've got um, a Fuji GFX. I've got this, the new 80 mil lens. Honestly, I just love it so much. I just cannot believe. And that's just what I want. I just want that right now. I don't know if you have other options, but I just can't have any other options or else I get confused. So keep it um, simple. That's I that's, know. That's it. I yeah. think that like back, I've always shot medium format. I shot large format for a while. I used to love a twin lens camera and I just need to, I need to, I need my equipment to slow me down. I just skittering around and I've always need that thing to kind of be like sandbags. It feels like slow down, you know? If tomorrow you could go out and shoot with one other photographer, alive or dead, regardless of genre, what, what, what might it be? Who And who would it be? Well, Richard Avedon, the great, you know, great fashion photographer, 20th century. And it's his portraits and his work in the field. And I mean, his fashion work is groundbreaking and still so exciting, but it's the portraiture. And I still, I'm looking at doing a portrait um, coming up and he has a portrait of um, Andy Warhol and the factory people. Mm -hmm. And it's like in a panel with a few panels together. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm taking that as inspiration. I've always used him as inspiration in his, the, the American West series where you've got the backdrop and you can see around it. The magic of seeing around the backdrop is, has never left me. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He's my, yes, him. I'll take, I'll go out. I'll go and do a shoot with, Richard, Richard Avedon. Avedon, thank you. Yeah, well, so, that, so that's tomorrow sorted. Excellent. Um, yeah, it's interesting you said that because I'm I, I'm looking right at your blog right now, and there's the uh, the one titled "Calling All Red Cars," um, and there's that picture, wonderful picture, where you can see the backdrop, the red and blue. Uh, you've got the, the 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 subject, and you've got the um, the binoculars, you know, on the seaside and everything. But you can see way beyond that. You can see way beyond the the background, uh, the backdrop, I should say. It's great. You can see the clutter behind it and and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Casey, thank you so much. Um, where can people find you, uh, the books and the website and all of that stuff? Um, well, on Instagram, Casey or photo and Saturday Girl Photo. And then uh, on my website, CaseyOr.com and my blog, which I'm, you know, trying to just kind of spend time really processing this stuff through writing about it, writing about the experience, which, you know, I love doing having time to do that as well. Yeah. So that is, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, the writing part of things, do you, is that part of the, the connectivity? Do you think that that all goes together and fits together as a story? Yeah, I do. I think it's a part of my practice. It, that slows me down as well to write about it and to think about what it meant in the moment. And I, I do that through the writing. Um, and I need that too, to kind of slow the processes down and really think about what it meant. I think everything's changing so much too. So that when I was working in September, when I'm working now, I just did a shoot last Saturday. Everything was very, felt very different than it did a few months ago. And I just think I really want to remember this because this time is so strange and constantly moving. And yeah, it's just, I like take, keeping a blog. It's nice to kind of put all the background stuff in there as well. I don't know how I feel about Instagram, but 
I keep doing it. Like I love reading blogs. I love reading words. And going back to what you said at the beginning about people when they give you their contact details, everything is is so transient and so quick. You know, even our messaging systems, you can set them so the messages delete themselves and people disappear. They're on, on social media, they're off social media, all of this kind of stuff. It's rare to actually find blogs these days that are engaging and informative rather than just, uh, you know, here's a picture. And I'm in a hurry. Here's my next picture. I'm in a hurry. Here's my next picture. You can go to Instagram for that. But it's lovely to see stories. I love it. I really enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's fun. I was thinking, do people do blogs anymore? What's a <laughs> blog, you know? It was only a few years ago that that was the new in thing. So uh, yeah, maybe that's why I have to work with young people. So, you know, I keep up I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, hey, look, we're drawing on our faces now. And it's like, cool. Yeah. I do see a lot of that. <laughs> uh, thanks to Casey Orr. Of course, as always, we'll link to her work on the show page, which you can find at fujicast.co.uk. If you want more Mullins, then you'll find he has a country habit every Thursday on incapablestaircase.com, 3.30pm UK time. Country Boyo, a.k.a. Mullins of the Kev variety, takes to the airways for one hour of country music. And then um, I have my own podcast on Fridays called Photography Daily. It's a photo walk show where I take your mails out on a well, of a far less technical nature. These are these are more about you and what projects you're working on, what difference photography makes to your life. And as one of my two guests will share, that includes a very personal take on a project made in these times that we live, driven by a protest in America where. Protesters called to sacrifice the weak, i.e. those who are most at danger from having COVID, so the rest of the country could get back to life. It was a message in the crowd that prompted Madison Thorne to photograph those at risk in the most extraordinary project called High Risk Humans. And I'll be talking to a name you'll be familiar with here, the talented Dennis Skyam as well. Photography Daily is a, a photo walk show, just you, just me, our cameras and the mailbag. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Right, back to your questions. Um, we have a, We should have done this as a bump to the front, Kev. It's a bump to the middle on this one. Robert Burnback um, sent in a message. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Greetings from San Francisco. I have... You've been to San Francisco a lot, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, loads. I love it there. Well, oh, say loads I, four times. I really, really want to go to San Francisco, and I'm going to do the obvious cliche thing and go straight to the uh, the prison, so straight to Al- Alcatraz. I really want to... And you've, you've photographed there three or four times, haven't you? I'm well, I haven't photographed there, but I've been there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I might have had a camera with me, but I didn't go there to photograph... Yeah, no, I love it. I love that Alcatraz. Oh, yeah, because um, you'd have visited there before. You were, you were. I mean, it's a few years ago now, isn't it? I mean, you'd probably look at the place in an entirely different way now, wouldn't you? First time I went, I was twenty-two. What? No, I was no, I was twenty because I wasn't allowed to drive. Were you ever twenty? A <laughs> hundred years ago. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, and there's a pub. There's a pub there called uh, Mullins. It's called Mullins's Pub, uh-huh. and it's got a Welsh flag hanging from it. Well, you can't be going in there now. Yeah, they wouldn't want you in there. The coffee, the coffee shop next door is where you can go now. Because <laughs> I'm going to the pub tonight with the boys. I know you are. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you figured out what you're gonna when you go into the the bar now? What you're what you're gonna substitute the the the, the old poison for the new poison? What what's the new poison gonna be? Well, there's plenty of non-alcoholic drinks or lime and soda, orange juice. Yeah, I have no. I I really 
listen, I'm the most miserable person at the best of times. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. <laughs> uh, anyway, gre- greetings from San Francisco. I have two very different questions. I shoot a lot of live jazz. He's put in jazzshadows.com so you can go and have a look at it. Which means yeah, I'm looking at it now. Do you like it? Yeah, I love jazz. Which means I, I am in a lot of low-light situations looking at them here. Yes, you are. When choosing lenses, I understand how to translate focal length and depth of field from full frame to smaller Fuji sensors. But my question is, does the light gathering ability change? For instance, does a 2.8 lens on full frame translate to f4 in exposure equivalence when mounted on a Fuji X body? And it kind of does, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. I thought it did. No, f2.8 light gathering is the same uh whether it's on full frame or oh sorry no i'm talking about uh depth of field aren't i yeah which come on you were reading it out you weren't even listening to yourself (laughs) that's the problem go to the back of the class james yes the the (laughs) the the depth of field changes but no not the light gathering no correct yes so light gathering doesn't change yes (laughs) well that one that one's sorted what about the website kev which will um which we'll link to on the the famous show notes today oh superb i love it you can feel the music that's that's the thing you can yeah yeah. well if you can feel and hear the music through the pictures that's all you ever want isn't it yeah there's a link to his instagram there as well which is uh oh oh slightly different stuff then oh i love the bubbles shots fantastic oh look there's a walrus i know know, my kids like you know on netflix you can change the icons of the the users you can have different accounts my kids changed my picture to a walrus (laughs) i wondered if you were going to say it was you (laughs) Ah, um, so that was the first question, first part. Um, second part uh, is as much an observation, really, as a question. It seems up until the early 90s, the most common portrait lenses were the uh, equivalent of 135 and 105. These days, it really is the 85mm, or 50-56 to 56, uh, Fuji, that are considered the classic portrait lenses, and the longer focal lengths are not as popular. Do you, is, is it a stylistic change, one driven by lens manufacturers? Do you think any thoughts on this? So, so it's gone from sort of one three five to to eighty five. I mean, everybody talks about. Okay, we're talking full frame language here for a second. I know you don't like that, but every, but people do talk about thirty five and and uh, and eighty five, don't they? Perhaps fifty in, in in between. That seems to be this sort of staple diet of when you when you well certainly with the, within the wedding photography. Yeah, I think it? like studio work. Uh, I don't know whether it's still the norm. One three five, one oh five, that equivalent. What certainly was very popular. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had that one three five on my Canon system, yeah, and it was great. I used to use it for sports. It, 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 the depth of field, the bouquet was lovely. Uh, it was lovely on it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, if I'm if I am ever doing any portraits, I basically pick the lens that I think is that I need in terms of the space I've got, and mm. you know whether I would need okay or whether i don't and all of that stuff so yeah i'm not sure if it's a fashion change but maybe it is i bought that 135 i had that 135 i must have bought it sold it bought it sold it. i think i think it was a buy and sell three, three times over going on with that it was a lens that i thought i had to have and everybody was saying how great it was probably including yourself and i just i just i yeah and I, I, I never it wasn't a focal length i I could really grasp. It was great for rugby. Was it? You, you had to wait for the, 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 you had to position yourself quite well and, and yeah. wait for them to get reasonably close. Yeah. You could get some really good shots. Mm. What do you make, by the way, of this thing that the, um, the Welsh uh, rugby clubs uh, saying they want to come and play in England? Just so they, no, there were internationals, the Six Nations. Oh, it's going to be the yeah. Six Nations. Oh, it's not, not across the board then. Oh, it's insane. It's stupid. 
it, 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 absolutely ridiculous. So, because currently, I think it will change, but currently you can't have um, stadium events in Wales. Yeah. But 70,000 people could go, technically, they could go to Morton in the Marsh, which is one inch over the border, and all 70,000 of those could go into a pub um, and then step two inches back into Wales and that's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a load of... Nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say something else. <laughs> I'm rescuing you. Oh, on, on that note, by the way, um, hello from Germany, dear Fujicasters. This is from Andreas Noah. Um, in one of your last shows, you mentioned the uh, the politician whose name starts with B and that he once ran over a guy on a rugby pitch. I just mentioned this now because we're talking about rugby. We're talking about Boris, of course, aren't we? Um, maybe there was he combed his hair. Did you see he combed his I hair? Saw, yeah, yeah, but it still doesn't look right. Maybe there were several occasions. Um, the, the one I know of was during football, not rugby. It was 2007, charity fundraiser. Uh, Manchester City got, uh, uh, when they were celebrating 125 years. Yeah, no, that was definitely Boris, wasn't it? Rugby, it wasn't football. Uh, Boris, I remember the rugby incident, but yeah, I, I would not be at all surprised if he's made a similar blunder in a football match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But you're right, he has, he has uh, done something with his hair. But it still looks like he's dragged through a hedge backwards, as my grandmother would have said. Uh, anyway, yours, your question, Facebook. Uh, Don Whelan, uh, first I'd like to say I love the show and I appreciate the work you guys put into it. Thank you very much. Uh, I see prices on the X-Pro1 up over 600 US dollars here in the US. Uh, people are saying that the X-Trans1 sensor is amazing, having mm. great colour and more of a film look to the files. Mm. My question is, with the newer cameras such as the X-Pro3, X-T4, can you make adjustments internally with the many settings to get a similar look to the X-Pro1, X-Trans1 sensor? Is that what they're talking about? That sort of creamy finish. That that sort of is that. That's what they're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't use the word creamy, but there's definitely a difference. Um, yeah, maybe creamy is a is a word you could use, but yeah. but yeah, I mean the X Trans One sensor is different and perhaps more filmic. Yeah, maybe. I don't think you will be able to change any of the settings in the, you know, shadows, highlights, film sims, all that kind of stuff in the modern cameras to replicate exactly the same from an X-Trans 1 sensor. Mm. I've not tried it, to be totally honest with you. And I remember once doing another blog post on on my F-16 website where when the X-Pro3 came out, no, sorry, X-100F, so the fourth iteration of the X-100, I put the same picture, um, I took a picture of it, Exactly the same thing with exactly the same exposure. Uh, standard JPEG out of the camera, and I put it on there, and I asked everybody to to tell me which was from which. And um, I can't, it was quite a long time ago now, but I remember being very surprised at the fact that most people didn't get it right. Uh, so they weren't. Most oh. people weren't immediately saying that's the X100, the original X100. Right. Um, so I'm not sure it's that much of a thing, but it is a thing for sure. But yeah, I don't think ultimately you'd be able to change the the internal kind of JPEG settings to replicate it exactly. Kev, there's got to be a preset package in this, isn't there? Ugh. I'm thinking pre- uh, uh, presets, the, the X-Trans look presets. Just get an X100. No, Kev, that's, I'm, thinking that's of, the answer. I'm thinking of business for you. Business, Kev, business. Who <laughs> thinks Kev should do that as a, as a, as a preset package? <laughs> See? It would be it would be impossible because the you know the thing to think about uh, with with presets and with X trans sensors and all that kind of stuff is it's totally down to the the photograph. One photograph will look different dependent on how the presets are applied to it. Yeah. it change exposure very slightly and it will look different again. It's you know it's it's not as easy as that. There we I'm, go. I'm Done myself over, out of a bit of money. I'm over in the corner of the studio, Kev. I don't know whether you can still hear me. What do you say? <laughs> 
I said I'm in the corner of the studio. I found something. I was doing a little bit of, um, I was doing some book organisation over, and I can't find it. It was over there. Um, I was doing some book. This is to do with the X100. Uh, some book organisation over over Christmas, and uh, I found the X100, the book you wrote, mm. uh, the book which you written. And and you wrote something in the in the in, in the front for me that was really sweet, and I thought I must I must actually read that out on the first show of the year. And I've been so organised, I've organised it somewhere where I can't find it. <laughs> oh, I, I got a royalty check for that yesterday. Did you? But they still roll in every now and again. Blimey, yeah. you're like the Beatles. Are you, am, are you still earning a million a month from it? I'm going to sell my rights to MGM or somebody like that. Not oh, MGM, well, um, a bit. Uh, yes, that's a casino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong people, Kev. Um, you might as well sell them to MFI. Those that live, <laughs> those that live in the UK will understand that. Uh, outside, no, no. That was no. a labour of love. That book, I tell you. Uh, it was good though, Kev. It was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I did, why why did, haven't you not? She was very well. I, I, it's in terms of uh, return on investment. Yeah, very good. Have you not thought I about doing doing another one? Uh, I think the problem with the book stuff is that, and this is what the publisher said to me afterwards, is that. Basically, because the camera manufacturers, all of them, uh, producing updates within a year, essentially, or 18 months, the book lifespan isn't long enough for it to be profitable that way. So that's why you don't see so many of those kind of how to use your, I don't know, Canon 5D Mark IV books. I'm sure there are some out there, but they they won't be as popular as as before because now there's a Canon, by the time they finish writing the how to use a Canon 5D Mark IV book, there's a Canon 5D Mark VI. And also, actually, in the in the ensuing years, um, you would just go onto YouTube now and find a plethora of movies doing yeah. that. I suppose, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. True. I did. I had a, a about six months ago. I had a big check from that royalties from that. Wow. Uh, I would say big. It was it was about fifteen hundred US dollars, which was brilliant. Wow. Oh, I thought um, you meant twenty centimeters by fifteen or something. And, uh, or, or, or one of those we, those big presentation ones that they show on telly, like a five foot check. And, and what had happened? Yeah, what had happened <laughs> is a library, not a library, a university All right. in America had bought eight hundred copies of it or something for their for their students. So that's where the royalty came from. Eight hundred copies. Well, I don't know if it's eight hundred, but whatever, okay. however much the the equation worked out at. Yeah. But yeah, a, a bulk load of it. Because I was very surprised when that check. I kind of spoke to the publishers like, "Are you sure about this?" Went, yeah, yeah. They're still throwing them out at full price, then, Kev. I always think it must be really disheartening if you are an author and you go in and you find the bargain bin in WH Smith has got your book for 85p. Well, there was a fellow on on uh, eBay selling my presets the other day. What? And <laughs> well, what was he charging for them? Oh, a lot less than I charge for them, put it that way. <laughs> right, yeah, everybody it was totally with... illegal, yeah. of course. Yeah. Did you drop him a mail and say, hello? <laughs> well, I, 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 I sent a message to eBay, actually, not him, um, and the listing was withdrawn. But Yes. Oh, naughty. Right. Uh, is it your question or mine? Uh, oh, it's yours. Definitely uh, yours. Yeah, it's yours. I'll do it, yeah. Hi, Daniel Parks. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. Uh, I'm hoping to set up my first website in the next few weeks on oh. Squarespace. I'm totally new to it all, so I'm trying to research as much as I can before it starts. One of the tutorials I watched recently said that it's an absolute must to have a blog on a website. Mm-hmm. Is this true? Question mark. There's a lot more to this question. How crucial is a blog? Is a blog? Question mark. Is it for SEO reasons so that anti-Google can pick up the keywords, anti-Google, anti-Google. and phrases? <laughs> By the way, type into Google now. Do this while I'm reading the rest of it. Yeah. Type into Google askew, A-S-K-E-W. A-S-K-E-W. Um, right, yeah. Or, or is it just for reader engagement? At first, I thought a blog would just be a quick summary of a wedding I shot, but now I'm starting <laughs> to wonder if I need to treat a website blog like social media by keeping it updated with fresh content. It wouldn't particularly come natural to me to develop this. 
this online, <laughs> online personality where I suddenly talk regularly about anything and everything just to keep Google happy. Can a website be successful just by hoping that traffic finds in a conventional search? I think I'm prepared in all other areas, such as main banner, basic description, portfolio, bio, my fee, common questions and answers, and how to contact me, etc. Well, I think let, let's let's go down that list of questions. But before we do, Google, you do have a sense of humour. I just I just looked up a skew. <laughs> the page is a skew when you call it. I, I looked at it first of all and sort of my head went left slightly. I thought, no, it definitely is a skew. That is fantastic, Google. A sense of humour. I I'm, uh, I will drink to that. Obviously, just orange juice. Yeah, well, coffee. I've got coffee now. Yeah. Um, and actually, because we are recording, well, well I've just, I've done my radio show this afternoon as well, yeah. so I, I would normally you'd normally be drunk by now. Yeah. <laughs> uh right yes so well let's summarize this yes you do need a blog i think it's still crucial personally yes it's partly for seo reasons because uh google still likes to see uh regular fresh content Mm. but also don't be uh, remiss to think that brides and grooms don't want to see previous weddings and work and all that kind of stuff a lot of them will be using blog posts as research for themselves they might stumble across a wedding that you photographed because of in a venue or whatever and may never even thought about looking at your website but then suddenly they've searched for a venue and boom there they are on your website and you know they love all your pictures it doesn't have to be like a daily thing it doesn't have to be that personal really i typically formulize mine but yeah i do think ultimately it's important and you haven't done one neil in months and months and no months no in fact months. my website has not changed for years and I, I tell you why because um the it's an old wordpress one and if i change anything things are going to start breaking with it so i am still I'm working on my new squarespace one i'm, I'm actually closer now I'm you're not, not struggling for bookings though so that kind of goes against what i'm what i'm saying really well no, no i'm not really struggling for bookings i touch wood i'm i'm very lucky in that in that respect but really it is it is important and actually there's stuff i'd like to show on the website there's some blogs i would like to write but i just at the moment if i touch that old website it's gonna fall over like a deck of cards and a false nine gale it really is mm. so that that's why i've not touched it um the there used to be a magic number of two hundred and fifty words or something, didn't there, in in a blog post? Or have I, uh, have I got that wrong? Three hundred, but yeah, that's 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 not not true. So does it matter I whether mean, you write ten now or two hundred and fifty? Yeah, not really. It's all about reach and and you know the the other metrics that come into it. But you know, you yes, you still want to give it a little bit of of textual guts, yeah. but. Um, Ultimately, it was always I was, it was so easy to see people who'd use like the Yoast plugins and stuff. Myself yeah. also used it, and yeah. you know you yeah. could you could always tell like if the last they'd only got to they could only write two hundred and seventy words, and the last kind of thirty words were just fillers. You know exactly that, and it would always be three hundred words exactly. <laughs> and what and what about <laughs> I mean, if, if you're using Squarespace, there's less opportunity to fill the alt tags and stuff. Uh, no, you can still do it. Right? Yeah, actually, Squarespace over the last six months have done a lot of stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of updates, and mm. yeah, they can do. You can do a lot more stuff now. Yeah, um, but yes, yeah, alt tech. But basically, there's nothing you can do in WordPress that you can't do in Squarespace. Put it that way. Things have you changed have to a do lot it in a different a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the beauty of Squarespace for me is that you can't break it. You yeah. can't. You're con- you're constricted by its paradigms. It's yeah. uh, the heuristics of its own design. 
which means that you can't break out of those boundaries. But you can get your hands dirty with CSS and you can even do plugins and things like that now, yes. but they're safe. You can't, you know, the, the, the same with the Fujicast website. It's the, the theme that I use for that is just doesn't exist any longer and it doesn't support latest versions. So I, I, yeah, I'm reluctant to press the update button on that as well and just yeah. all fall down a pack of cards. Um, I'm not sure whether we did this one before Christmas or not. I know I'm quite good at deleting as we go along to make sure that I don't repeat. It could be something that's very similar to something we've... I'll read it anyway. Will Collin. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. The rumoured new higher resolution sensor that's reportedly coming in the new Fujifilm model in this year, 2022. The title of episode 211 of the podcast included the phrase seeing in the dark with a 50mm f1. So if low light performance is so important for things like shooting weddings in these gloomy church crypts, do you hope the Fujifilm prioritise low-light image quality in the new sensor? Or is faster, more accurate autofocus more important? Or could we have both, please? And that's a really interesting point because that's the fear for many people is that the more the bigger the sensor, the uh, typically, g- generically, the, the, the worse the low-light mm. performance will be. If you believe the rumours, of which there are many, um, uh, and I have no personal knowledge of any of this i'm purely going by the um by the rumor mills and the rumor sites and stuff it looks like the xh range of cameras may have two different versions mm. so read into that what you will might maybe one of them will be a bigger sensor and aimed more at filming or i don't know studio or whatever maybe one will have a smaller sensor aimed at lower light performance and faster autofocus and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean there is a there is a trade-off for sure mm. you can't you can't have one without the other so well as far as i'm aware unless the, the boffins are, are peddling very hard expect to try and figure all that stuff out but yeah it is a it's a slight concern because you know often and especially for the consumer range of stuff, people like to uh, look at the megapixel count and think the bigger the megapixels, that must be a, be a better camera. And it's yeah. obviously not always the case. No. I think we have a chance or time rather for just one more, because on the day of recording this, Kev's just about to disappear for his less boozy night with the with the dads of Malmesbury. The nights that used to be the the, the, the dads of Malmesbury, yeah, you were in a shocking state usually, weren't you? Wouldn't really? say shocking. I mean, but AP, occasionally I would have a headache. APB's out on him. So have you seen that Mullins? Don't let him walk down the high street. I got a, I got a um, I've got a not even Zoom what they call it Skype call tomorrow yeah. at seven a.m. Yeah. with Fujifilm China. Right. Uh, okay. Of course, it's three o'clock in their world. Yeah. Three o'clock in the afternoon in their world. So I definitely have to be up and up and about early for that. Well, you, um, will, no, you will be, and you'll be as fresh as a daisy, Kev. I will. I'll be fresh. I tell you what, though, really interestingly, even though it's only been six days, yeah. um, uh-huh. on my on my Huawei watch and my Huawei phone. It's got the health app, which is really good, really good, integrates really well. And uh, for the last probably two years, I, it's tracked my sleep. Oh. Really, really interesting to me. It is anyway. Everybody else is probably bored to death now. But my sleep pattern over the last five days has been greatly improved. Was it is, immediate or just over the last um, couple of days? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much, because there was no days that i didn't uh you know go to bed late or whatever so now of course if you're not having a beer in the evening you just go to bed and nothing else to do is that <laughs> just go to bed early oh, have a nice Kev. night's sleep yes there's television <laughs> to watch there's conversations to have there's have you seen that um don't look down whatever it's called oh i haven't no 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 i want yeah that's that's on my list kev it's really good yes i know everybody says that 
So don't really do a spoiler. Good. No, I won't. I won't put a spoiler on it, but it's really good. Good. Uh, yeah, you should watch that. Right, last question of the show. What was the question? Today. I don't know. You were asking it. Oh, you? okay. All right. I'm digging back into the old questions for the show thread now because okay. the new one is up. We've already expired that. Right. Uh, Mark Holm, how have you both dealt with creative ruts throughout the lockdowns? Ruts. I love that word. Ruts. Yeah. Uh, I find it hard a lot of days to pick up my camera and try to make something since most of the shooting is around the house. I've been out a few times with friends, masks on, of course as he says but I find my motivation creativity lacking while shooting as of late uh, well I, I went on a photo walk and that was unexpected but that was my saviour in terms of finding st- saviour sounds a bit, a bit, ah! bit, bit yeah a bit me- <laughs> bit melodramatic um, I've, I found that was that was fantastic because I only really photograph professionally I I I can't say I I wasn't I've never been really the photographer in our family when it comes to like you you're fantastic at this making sure you get the 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 best pictures of your family Sam does that in our family I don't I tended to pick up cameras when it was work situations maybe some portraits outside but to get out to get out of that creative rut as if it, if it was um, the photo walk that's what I went to do Loved it. Being on my own in the countryside. Introversion. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a, a rut for the last two years, really. Yeah. I'm like a blinking gazelle rutting for forever. Well, it's, it's not a gazelle, is it? Hang, it's a deer. Hang on a Deer's minute. Rut. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. No, you're quite Deer's right. Deer's rut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, I don't um, think this is a question about rutting, Kev. Locking, locking their horns, trying <laughs> yeah. to find something okay. to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've done, I've done nothing, basically. Nothing so apart you, from shoot work. You, yeah, you were used to going out with uh, with the boys to the the races and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean that All was that, that was one off. But you know, aside from that, I would often kind of head around town and go into. Bristol and Bath and and you know all that kind of stuff. London, obviously, yeah. I think partly it's because the you know my trips to London and workshops and whatever were all cancelled. So just haven't really you know thought about it. And it's interesting because I I was I was thinking about this the other day when I was lying in bed at half past seven in the evening because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> that, that that I um you know I just. I was actually what went through my mind is where where is my X one hundred V? I was wondering where it was because it could be in any number of oh, places. Oh, it's in my cupboard down here. Obviously, <laughs> it could be in your cupboard. Your, hang one, on, yeah. with your thirty-five. Just next year, thirty-five millimeter, Kev. <laughs> and uh, and I was thinking, you know, proper photographer probably would know where his his kind of about town camera is, and I should probably do something <laughs> about that. Yeah, so I went yeah. to sleep. I said you. That's why your sleep patterns are so good. You're boring yourself to death. That's your, that's your problem, Kev. You need to start drinking again. Ah, <laughs> oh, well. So you you haven't got that you haven't got that sort of personal photography mojo back yet. Not yet. Mm. Why not take a cam go to, tonight with the boys' night because you'll be the one that can see straight. Take a camera tonight. Well, I don't know where it is. Well, no, you've got Still other cameras. You've got other cameras, Kev. Oh, yeah, I'm not taking one of those, though. What? Well, you've got every, sing- one. every single X100 since the day it came out, for example. That's true. Take, yeah, take a T with you. Take, take a T or an S or an F. Yeah, I might do that. Maybe I'll do that. I can see how that's just been disregarded immediately. <laughs> the moment I said it, I, you, you weren't convincing me at all. I'm going to be in a bad enough mood as it is not not being, not drinking with, without them not saying, oh, don't put No, 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 you take the moral high ground on this, Kev. Mm. So you are... Okay, you just damage your livers, each of you. I'm going to be over here. Oh, I know that, that there will definitely be none of that going on for me. I uh, definitely not. No, I'm doing it for my own uh, 
health are my black belt. No yeah, well, other reason. Yeah, though. Yeah, when you get your black belt, when do you think you might I'm gonna get, get walloped? How, how many months? How many months will it take now? Oh God, it probably will never happen. To be totally honest, no, with don't you. be like I, that, I'm Kev. Probably a bit too old now, but no. I'm gonna give it a crack. No, 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 no. There, there I want to do it by the time I'm fifty, which is next year. There must be plenty of 50, 60, 70, 80 year old black belts. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but they all got their black belts when they were twenty-four. Really? Is that the way it works? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because when I go and fight for my black belts, I'll be basically fighting another brown belt. Who are, it's not done on age. They don't discriminate on age. They just stick you up against other people who want to have a crack at you. <laughs> okay. Oh, you make it sound so appealing. Well, that that's it for another week. Um, please, start sending those questions in. Here we are, New Year 2022. Um, we, we live and breathe from your questions. Uh, they don't have to be too technical. Um, in fact, sometimes, you know, it's, not, it's nice to get something that's a bit left field as well. So send them in. There's two ways. You can either send them in by email to click at fujicast.co.uk or, Kev, how do we do it on the, the Facebook group? Uh, go to the Facebook group. If you're not in it, you can just search Fujicast on Facebook or click the link, click the link, click the, the link on the uh, show notes yeah. in the website. And it's the pin thread at the top. Questions for the show 2022. Say drinks reception, Kev. Say drinks reception. Drinks reception. Drinks reception. Drinks reception. See, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.